verses in James. We have arrived. It took us a couple of years. We took one little break, but here it is. Now, what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to, I'll, I'll read through the comments on the verses, and then we'll go back and we'll start going deeper into our supporting verses. Because there's a lot in these two verses. You know, I can spend a lot of time, and I have a lot of, a lot of material to, to go over. So we want to dig into this. Now, we, we've studied, this is the power and privilege of prayer, these last handful of verses. And we saw that James said there was prayer for the suffering, prayer for the sick, prayer for the nations, and now prayer for the strain, prayer for the strain. So if you would, James 5, verse 19 and 20, my brothers, he's talking to church people, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Praying for the strength. You know, it's it's interesting that that James closes his letter this way. Not a typical closing if you you know your epistles. Not a lot that they close with the benediction, with greetings, with say hello to this one, so-and-so sends their love, but, but he ends this, um, this letter with a call to action, prayer for the strain. And so again, let me just read through some comments, and we'll go back, and we'll start, and we'll start digging in, but once we get to the verses, who knows where we end. It is clear from the word brothers that James is addressing this exhortation to believers. It is also apparent that he speaks of the possibility that one of them may wander from the truth. Sobering thought, isn't it? I got 15 badges from Sunday school attendance. Don't make any difference. You can wander from the truth. Amen? This thing, you got to finish this race. There are no points for what you did, you know, you better finish this race. Here we go. Wander from the truth. So James's purpose in these closing verses is to encourage Christians to make an effort to bring the wanderer back. How about that? I know it hurts our pride sometimes when someone calls and says, where you been? Thank God someone loves you enough to ask. Amen? The Bible just said to do that, didn't it? It's to go after the wanderer. They say, go, send them the card. Knock them, ask them. If you love them, you ask them. Again, James' purpose in these closing verses is to encourage Christians to make an effort to bring the wanderer back. Now, James defines the wanderer from sound doctrine and God to living as a sinner. If you notice that, he says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways. And so you you can wander from proper doctrine, you can wander from proper living. Either way, there's a wandering there. There's a going astray in lifestyle or going astray in theology. Now, while James does not specifically name prayer in these verses, the implication is there. After all, if we prayed for the sick, we prayed for ourselves, we're praying for the nation, well, surely we'll pray for the one who wanders from the truth as well as trying to reach out to him and run him down and send him a card and get him back. Again, remember for James, correct doctrine cannot be separated from correct behavior. So he's got those two things going here. But a great danger from wandering, in the Old Testament, the term would be the backslider. That's older language, but from the backslider. There's great danger from backsliding 
or being a wanderer. Number one, God may discipline him. You bring different degrees of discipline. You know, we, we would call a parent that never disciplines their kid a poor parent, wouldn't we? Isn't that right? True, right? You think God's a poor parent? You think our Heavenly Father's a poor parent? If, if we who are human and would love our kids enough to discipline them because we don't want them to do what's wrong that could be harmful and go down the wrong if we would discipline, how much more a perfect Heavenly Father? And so again, we, we don't realize that. We, we, we know if our kids copped an attitude, there'd be discipline. If our kids told a lie, there'd be, there'd be what? All right, if our kids broke the rules that were clearly given, there'd be, why in the world would we think God Almighty wouldn't do that to his kids? We don't think straight sometimes, do we? We've allowed some of this greasy stuff to get in the church. We've missed comprehension of who God is. Faces the possibility, number two, of sin unto death. Sin unto death. God wants you to finish your life. God wants you to finish your full years. Don't live in such a way that out of God's mercy, he takes you home prematurely. If we get far enough, we'll look at that in 1 John 5. Amen? And of course, great danger for the wanderer because the wanderer, the backslider, can influence others and lead others astray. Influences, you know, if you're a person of influence, not everyone has strong influence. Everyone has a measure of influence. Some people are really, you know, the stronger influence you have, the greater judgment you'll have when you stand before God. Because you affect more people by the life you live. I mean, some people, again, they're sweet and lovely, but they don't carry a lot of, there's other people that have influence. And as they go, man, much is required to whom much is given. Right, let's go back. Let's start our study. It is clear from the word brothers that James is addressing and exhorting believers. It is also apparent that he speaks of the possibility. Amen? Hey, let him who thinks they're stand take heed lest they fall. There is a possibility. Remember what Paul said? Even though I preached to others, I've got to beat myself. I've got to keep this flesh down so I don't become a castaway. Amen? Because at the end of the day, just as he built churches and did mighty things for God, if he doesn't finish his race. And so again, it is apparent that he who speaks of the possibility that one of them, one of these Christians might wander from the truth. They might go astray in lifestyle or theology. If you would, John 8, John 8, verses 31 and 32. Because we're, we're called to continue. To the Jews who had believed on Jesus, who made a public profession. He says, you know what? If you hold to my teaching, New American Standard, if you continue in my teaching, if you continue, the word is continue, amen? He that finishes shall be saved, amen? Uh, so if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the key is, if you hold to my teaching, not wander from my teaching, now, not leave my teaching. Amen. New America, I love New America. If you continue in my teaching, that's the proof of discipleship. Not just I made a one-time confession years ago, but have you continued on in that teaching, in that teaching? You, you know, I think of uh, the life of Abraham. And we see examples just in the life of Abraham of how people respond to the call of God. If you remember the story, um, God called Abraham. And Abraham had his father and his brother, all right? 
His brother heard the call, but never left their, their original homeland. Nahor, he, he stayed there. Never, never. Some people hear it, never respond to it. Others hear it and follow for a while, but then stop. His dad, Terah, Abraham's dad, they left the homeland, but then he settled and didn't follow into the promised land. Some follow and then turn back. Demas and others, Judas. But then others are like Abraham. They hear the call and they continue. And they continue all the way till they finish their race. That's what God's calling us to do. I don't want to be a wanderer. I don't want to stray. I want to be faithful and finish the very end. Amen. Now notice the truth. Truth. We're talking about truth. Wandering from the truth. My brothers, um, James said, if one of you should wander from the truth, Jesus said, thy word is truth. John 17. Let's look at John 17 very quickly. John 17, 15 through 19. Jesus is going to tell us that God's word is truth. If any wander, you wander from the word of God. If you wander from the teachings of the word of God. Jesus is praying. Prayer for these disciples, the night of his betrayal, etc. And he said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. How many know Jesus gets his prayers answered? And, and so, see, we're not running from the world. We're living here, but this is where our mission is. And he's promised us that he'll protect us from the world. If we want to be kept, we can be kept. Amen? You, you can live in a nasty world, but if you really want to serve the Lord, his grace is sufficient. You can serve the world and that factory and that unsafe family. And that. You can serve God if you want to serve God. Jesus prayed. I'm not, not taking them out. It's not time to take them out. They've got a mission to do. So, Lord, Father, protect them. If you want to be protected and live this life, you can live this life. We see the protection, and then, and then next we see um, the position. Because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. That's pretty good, amen? Jesus wasn't of the world, was it? He, he walked among them. He, he commun- communicated with them, but he never sinned. He could communicate with the sinner, but not be swayed to that sin. He shined the light. He loved the unlovely. He wasn't afraid to be around sinners because he had to share the, he was there to save the sinners. Amen. The doctor comes for, for, for the sick, not the healthy. So you see, there's protection in verse 15. And then there's, there's position in verse 16. 15 is protection. 16 is position. Our position, like Christ, we're in the world. We're not of it, but we're in this world. Amen. Sometimes Christians go too far trying to get out of the world. But, you know, salt has to salt, you know, we've got to use our salt and light where, where it's needed, amen? We're so busy trying to run, but our mission is to reach those that are, that are lost. Verse 17, Jesus said, now, set them apart by the truth. Your word is truth, amen? So we stray, we stray from the word of God. When we stray, we stray from the clear teachings and principles of the word of God. So that's that. We got there. There's protection. There is position. There is our perfection, which means he's maturing us and perfecting us. Thy word is true. Sanctify him by thy word. Set him apart. Sanctification. Set him apart. Keep setting. They're in the world, but man, they're not of the world. They're in the world, but they live so differently. They can stand right by the world, and you can see like night and day. Night and day. Amen? 
You know that you ever, you ever work you ever work in a factory or someplace where they, they got no rules, amen. They got no PC rules. I mean, they just you know they say what they say and they do what they do. And if you're a real Christian, man, you stick out like talk about light in a dark place, amen. If you don't, you need to get saved. I mean, light is brighter when the darkness. Isn't it true? So Jesus, he said, he's talking, he's protecting us. So you don't have to wander or stray. There's no excuse to backslide unless you want to backslide. And that's where your heart is, and we're going to get to that later. But if you want to stay, you can, you can stay. If you want to finish, you'll make sure you finish. So there's protection, amen? And there's position. This is our mission field in the world. We're in the world. It's not ready. We're not raptured yet. We haven't died yet. So we're supposed to be here. But while we're here, he protects us. While we're here, he perfects us. You can grow in an ugly world. You can keep growing in Jesus, even though those around you are still as lost as ever. He will perfect us. How? By his word. As you get that word of God in you, and you begin to study that word, love that word, live by the word, you get perfected. You get mature. So what do we got here? We've got a protection, position, perfection. And then here finally is our purpose. Here's our purpose. This is why he's protecting us. And this is why he's perfecting us. Because we have a purpose. As you sent me, he's praying, Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We've got a mission, don't we? We have a purpose. We've got to reach lots for Christ. We've got to shine this light. We've got to touch people for Jesus' sake. So we recognize some are wandering. But the goal, Jesus said, if you're really my disciple... One way we're going to know it is you continue in my word. You don't just make a profession and you follow and you finish. And we see that if that you make up your mind to do that, he'll protect you, he'll perfect you, he'll use you. Isn't it wonderful? You can make it if you want to make it. All right. Now, James' purpose in these closing verses is to encourage Christians now to make an effort to bring the wanderer back. You know, I don't want to pray for them, but you call them and you, you reach them. I can remember a young man that for, for a good season, he wound up pastoring a church or so. But he used to run a car business. And one time old Pastor Beach kind of stumbled in there and needed his car. And don't take that profit long to recognize, son, you used to be a Christian. <laughs> and, you know, his eyes got about this big. And... Um, and, and he kind of read his mail, but again, that's what Pastor Beach, that's how he operated. In fact, he probably had a calling on it, didn't you? Oh, big old guy, head goes down, tears start filling his eyes. Well, well, he tried to avoid him. He moved to a different place, and old Pastor Beach, oh, like a hound from heaven. I mean, he called up, oh, he didn't work there anymore. Where's he working now? He'd show up. Hey, Jackson, he'd see him. Oh, Brother Beach, he tried to avoid him. So finally God got a hold of him. And all those years of being backslid, he finally got his act together. God used him to plant a church. It went a good 10, 15 years. It touched a lot of souls. They reached a lot of people. But, but Pastor Beach went after the wanderer. Once he recognized the hand of God was on the young, and boom. So, so that's good. That's a good thing, amen? We do it lovingly. We do it, but that's, that's what the Bible says to do. That's what Jesus did, right? He came and he seek and save those who are lost. He sought us out. He didn't wait for us just to come to him. He sought us. And this is what we're supposed to be doing here. Uh, again, encouraging Christians to make the effort to bring the wanderer back. Brother MacArthur writes, realizing the terrible fate 
that awaits the unrepentant sinner should motivate believers to call the strays back to salvation, to call them back to the truth of the gospel. Amen? But they might get bothered. They're going to be more bothered in hell. That's where we're headed. Am I talking to anybody? Amen? Amen? All right. Amen. James defines the wanderer again from sound doctrine God to living as a sinner. Verse 20. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, we talked about that, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways. He's calling that person a, a sinner. A sinner. Let's go to a couple of verses, if you would. 1 John 2 and 19. 1 John 2 and 19. In the context here, some teachers and leaders in, in the early church that proved to be false and counterfeit brethren. But he's going to make a distinction of them. 1 John 2 and 19. The Bible says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Wow. In the end, the proof is in the... Amen? So let me give you a few thoughts here. Dr. Stott writes, they have excommunicated themselves, these false teachers in this particular context, which was good. The church didn't have to kick them out. They took themselves out, which is nice. Because if you get false teachers, you've got to get rid of them. Amen? You can't have that nonsense. But they kind of did it themselves. They have excommunicated themselves. And John distinguishes sharply. This is, we noticed here. I try to emphasize that we read it. He, John distinguishes sharply between they who left and the us who remained. There's a difference. You're the Savior lost. Amen? There's no in-between. You either is or you ain't. Isn't that right? <laughs> you can't. Uh, like being pregnant. Yeah, you mean you is or you ain't. You know, some of these things, some of these things, you know, they're, they're you know, you don't get, there's no in-between here. You know, and not an in-between. The defection gives clear evidence of their true character. You see, their defection. From the abundance of the heart they speak, from the abundance of the heart you live. The expositor says it like, he goes about Judas. He said like Judas had been a nominal member of the community of faith, but had never really shared in the genuine fellowship. A voluntary departure that shows they were never really part of a community. If they had been true disciples, their non-perseverance would never have occurred. Calvin writes, future and final perseverance is the ultimate test of a past and past participation. Go, if you would not, they don't have this up top, so if you would, go to Hebrews 3. Go to Hebrews 3. I, I didn't give this to them up top, so you have to excuse us, but I just want you to see along these lines, the key is finishing. Jesus said, if you're really my disciple, you continue in my truth. Amen? You continue in the word. And, and again, that James says, you know what, you can be in the church Participating and wander and leaving. You know what? Those that don't come back at the end never were. Wow. But notice what it says here, Hebrews, um, the third chapter. Let's start out, if we could. Oh, three and six, right? Where am I? Three. Let's get six. 
verse 6. Just notice, but Christ is faithful. The book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians that were tempted to turn back and go back to Judaism. They were getting tired and weary. They were hitting a lot of persecution. Things were getting hard on them. And so some of them were tempted to turn back. And the author of Hebrews is right and said, don't, don't turn back. What you have in Christ is far better than what they had in Moses. Go forward. And so again, that's, that's the context here. So notice this, um, Hebrews 3rd chapter, verse 6. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast, of which we boast. Again, if you want to drop down to verse 14, drop down to verse 14, you can see a similar thing here. We have come to share in Christ if, there's an if, if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first. Say, hold on, you got to finish, amen? If you're not a finisher. The footnote here, failure to persevere reveals that a person is actually not a child of God, whereas perseverance is the hallmark of the child of God. It's the hallmark of the child of God. So again, where's the comments again on 1 John 2? But the point here is that a person can belong to a local church and not be part of the true spiritual body of Christ. Some local churches don't preach the gospel, so that's not hard to understand that. Amen? I mean, you gotta, you got to be born again, not just go to a church. you got to be born again. And then you can even be part of a church that preaches the new birth, but if you don't receive it and live it, you can reject it, amen? you got that free will. You want to say no to Christ? You can say no if you want. It's a foolish thing to do, but I mean... The point here, a person can belong to the local church and not be part of the true spiritual body. The counterfeit Christian mentioned in 1 John 2 did not remain in the fellowship. They went out, and remaining in fellowship is one of the evidences of true salvation. Let's go to 1 John 3, 8 and 9. 1 John 3, 8 and 9. Talking about the person that wanders. Some would wander from right doctrine. Others wander from right living. Wander from the fellowship of the saints. Now, in 1 John 3 and 9, these are lies of counterfeit Christians that are attempting to deceive and really defile the elect. Those that are real. They're going to try to say, that's all right, you can, you can slip around. God's full of grace. That, that's okay. You, you can cheat and lie. God, God really a God of love. You see, and they're, they're telling us now, I want, we're going to see this here now. First John, third chapter. Verse 8 is a popular. Verse 9, not so much. He who does, in fact, go to verse 7. You got your Bible. I'm going to take you to verse 7. Because I just want you to see how John, John um, starts off this, this thought. Verse 7, dear children, Loving children, little children. He's a father, reached, speaking, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. You see, some of these false teachers and teachings will lead you astray if you listen to them. Amen? If, you don't, if you're not a stickler to the word of God and you believe anything, they'll just, um, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful, 
He's of the devil. That's your lifestyle. That's who you, that you belong to him. Because the devil's been sinning from the beginning, and the reason or the purpose the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now, verse 9 is the one we're going to focus on. No one born of God will continue to sin. It's no longer our lifestyle. It's no longer happening. If you're born again, amen? You can't sin to be easy. If you're really saved, you, even if you do miss it, you feel bad about it. You feel guilty about it. You want to run to God and say, forgive me, Lord, amen? There's a, there's a conscience that's alive, and the Spirit of God keeps us tender. And we know there's a right and there's a wrong. And even, you know, God forbid, but even when we do miss it, we don't just accept that. We say, Lord, forgive me. Help me do better next time. Forgive me and help me. Uh... No one who is born of God will continue in sin, because God's seed remains. And he didn't born from God. He's got a new nature now. There's been a regeneration. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. Wow. Look at that. If you, got, you want to keep going, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love the brethren. But verse 9, talking about habitually, habitually, the habit. It's not that we become without sin, but we, we don't sin like we used to. And when we do it, we repent of it. Let's look at some, let's look at some notes here. Again, words be right. Counterfeit Christians are trying to convince true believers that a person can be quote-unquote saved and still practice sin. We don't practice it. Now, we, we might fall, you know, and slip up. Oops, my temper got the best of me. But when you, when you do that, you're a real Christian. You don't feel good about it. And you don't justify it. You say, Lord, forgive me. Help me do better. Amen? Now, there was a time when I wasn't saved. And trust me, I wasn't feeling bad about it at all. That right? You, you can tell the difference, can't you? I mean, you weren't saved. It didn't bother me at all. I mean, if you left that $5 bill there, you lost my game. I'll put it right here. Amen? But now, when you get saved, all of a sudden, anything dishonest, you feel it's not right got the Holy Ghost now. Isn't that true? He's a Holy Spirit. Holy, holy inside now. Isn't that right? Now before, man, if you were nasty to me, I'd get twice as nasty to you. Wouldn't feel bad about it at all. So you got it coming. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that. But now, you know, you get you feel, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I, having a bad day, I know there's no excuse, but just see, we're different now. We've got a new nature now, don't we? Amen? And you can always tell nature by its appetite. You know, before you were saved, you had an appetite for... Then when you get saved, there's a new appetite. And the things we love now, I mean, think about some of y'all that, that weren't saved in your 20s. Can you ever imagine yourself sitting in a little Bible study on a, on a Wednesday night, on a little Bible study, have your notebook out? If someone would have told you that when you were 22, 23, you would have said, what are you nuts? <laughs> what are you... I mean, you know, because the nature back then, amen, had different appetite, had different desires, different hunger for different things. Then you get saved, and it all changes. Then you get saved, man. And the ones you used to laugh at, now, now you're worse than them. You're praising God, you're saying hallelujah, and you're weeping one minute, shouting the next, and, you know, you used to laugh at them, you know, and now you're worse one of them. New nature, new nature, isn't that true? A new nature. And like the man says, chickens cluck, ducks quack, and Holy Ghost people praise the Lord. Amen. We shout and sing. and It's a normal expression of life within, of life within. 
And so again, again, uh, we're speaking rights. Counterfeit Christians here are trying to convince true believers that a person can be saved and still practice sin. Now, John doesn't deny the Christian sin. If you go to the first chapter, that's where he says, if you do sin. Not that you should try to sin or make an excuse for sin, but we are still fallen people in a fallen. If you do, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse you. He says, so if you do, so we, but we don't justify it. And we don't rationalize. We confess it and get cleansed and get back in there. Amen? Amen? And so again, um, John doesn't deny that Christians sin, but he does deny that Christians can live in sin. That's no longer my lifestyle. Amen? That's no longer my habitual life living. Amen? It's no longer the person's lifestyle or habit. He doesn't practice sinful behaviors. Amen. Again, uh, verse, if you looked at, in 1 John 3, if you looked at verse 6, if you have that, 1 John 3, and if you look, look, look at there at verse 6, amen, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. That's how you can tell when you're real. You see, I've seen people come to an altar, and it was regret. It wasn't repentance. Regret. I feel bad because, you know, I think they're going to take my kids away from me. Oh, you can lead them to any prayer you want. They're so desperate. They don't want God. They want him to help them. Amen? But they don't feel bad about what they did. They just feel bad about the consequences. There's a big difference when you feel bad about the consequences your actions brought on you than feeling bad that you sinned against God who loves you. Big difference there, isn't there? Isn't that right? And so look at verse 6. No one who lives, in, who lives in Jesus keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen or known him. You can't keep living like that and really be born again. It's an impossibility. You can't have the Holy Spirit in there and keep committing adultery and keep lying on your taxes and keep just... That's why Paul had to write to the Corinthians and say, listen, I want you to know Though such were some of you, and God saves all kinds of people and transforms all kinds of life and can forgive any sin, but if you keep doing that, knowing one that habitually does these things and lists all these sins, will enter the kingdom. You're not getting in. Amen? So, so don't be deceived with that. And again, and again, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or has known him. Again, if there's no check uh, against habitual sin in someone who professes to be a Christian, John's pronouncement is absolutely clear. Salvation never took place. You know, we don't change overnight. And some people come out of hardest strongholds, etc. But there's a change. There's a change. There is a change. And even if it takes a while to get victory in areas, you know, the areas that we didn't mind before make us weak now. The areas that we enjoyed before make us ashamed now. There's a difference, amen? Because we're in this process, like we always say, we're all under construction. No one's arrived. Amen? But there's a whole different attitude in the one that's truly been born again. That's the key. There's a whole different attitude from the one that's been, been, been born again. Amen? You, you can't go on living that way sinfully if you've truly been born again. Because the Spirit will convict me. It will grieve, sadden within me. 
That person fights against that because he wants to please God now. Now that he has the revelation of how much God loved him, how Jesus died for him, he wants to please the Lord. It matters what the Lord thinks now, amen? Before we, we didn't want to do our own thing. But then when you have a real encounter with the Lord and you realize how much he loved you and how he died for you, now it's like, Lord, I, I don't want, you know, it's like the little story. I know it's a silly little story, but um, when some of you little teenage girls were um, playing that game, you know, you tell your parents, we're going to stay at your house and I'll tell them we're staying at and we'll go to no one's house, all right? And this one little girl wouldn't do it. And they said, what's the matter? You're afraid, 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 afraid your dad's going to get mad at you, hurt you or something. And she goes, no, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt him if he finds out. Afraid I'm going to hurt him. I don't want to disappoint my dad. You know, before you were saved, if you can get away with it, get away with it. More power to you. Amen? All right? But then once you get saved, man, Lord, you've been good to me. I don't want to do anything bad. I don't want to grieve you. God's been too good. Right? You have people in your life, sometimes you know you've got a spouse. When you're young, you've got, you got a mother. And then you, you, know, you get kids. You never want to disappoint certain people. Some people we can care less if, you know, <laughs> you know. But there are certain people you just don't want to disappoint. Isn't that right? Because you love them so much. And when you really get saved, we should love the Lord so much. I don't want to disappoint you, Lord. This puts you on the cross. If this puts you on the cross, I don't want it. Amen? If this Jesus made you go to Calvary, then I, I don't want in my life or in my home. Amen? You with me? All right. Let's keep digging. Let's keep digging here. While, while James did not specifically name prayer in these verses, the implication is this. The implication is there. If we're praying for the sick, praying for ourselves, praying for the nation, surely we'll pray for the one who wanders from the truth. So God wants us to reach out to those that have strayed, call them, send them a note, run them down, but also pray for them. Pray for them, reach out to them. Amen? Try to turn them back. Try to wake them up. Amen? At the end of the day, see, we don't know these things till it's all in. God knows everything. We don't know. But our job is to keep reaching out. Our job is to go after them. Amen? And just keep loving them and reaching them. If it bugs them, well, you can still be nice about it, but bug them. You know what I mean? It's all right. You can be lovingly bugging them. Amen. You're not going to be nasty or ornery or judgmental, but you can be compassionate. Isn't that true? Oh, man, I'll tell you. One of my heroes in church history is D.L. Moody. He's just, I love D.L. Moody. Um, great evangelist. He shook two nations. He never went to college. He's got a college 100 years old after his name. I mean, he... <laughs> He's a something, amen? And he was a great soul winner. Did a my job in Chicago. But you know, he, he um, spent, had to move with his uncle when he was a young man. His uncle was in Chicago. He moved from the Massachusetts area. And one of the rules, the uncle said, well, D.L., if you come in here to live with me, you've got to go to church with me. And we go to Sunday school and we go to church. And so D.L. was in a class. He didn't have any Bible training. His dad died when he was young. He was in Sunday school class, what, these teenage boys that age. And there's a guy, Edward Kimball, Edward, a dry, good salesman. Don't that sound boring? A dry, good salesman. And, and, and just the descriptions of him. He don't sound very exciting. He sounds like he'd have us all nodding off, worse than me. He'd put him right to sleep. And um, this is the first day of class. He says, open up to John. And, well, D.L. didn't know John from um, The Man on the Moon. And um, the other kids started teasing him. And just when Moody's getting ready to break and leave, here's the guy that God's going to use to shake two continents. He shakes England, Scotland. He shakes America. Just about, 
Mr. Kemp says, here, D.L., you can use my Bible, and it's opened up. D.L. said, years later, I was getting ready to leave and never come back. Because the boys, you know, teenage boys can be. Kimball had such a burden for his kids, and he found out he was ill. And he got such a burden. He went horse and buggy to every home of every student he had. And he said, well, i got to know if you're saved. And D.L. was working for his, and his uncle's, I think, in the back of the shoe store. And he found him in the back. D.L., i got to know, is your heart right with God? I'm going soon. i got to know, are my kids right with God? He got saved. This man that God used preached to thousands and thousands. Never went beyond high school. Never was ordained. You go to Chicago and there's Moody Church, Moody Bible Institute. The meetings he had were phenomenal. He was called the greatest, one of the greatest events. He would preach the love of God. People say, you know what? Moody's the only one that will listen to sinners. Would say, Moody's the only one we like to listen to preach on hell because he preaches hell through tears. But he loved. He loved people in the what a soul winner. He got saved, and back then, you know, you didn't just volunteer to be a Sunday school teacher. They said, no, you got to get your own class if you want to be a Sunday school teacher. And back then, you had to pay for your seats. You know, so these churches, free church, that's because the seats were free. A lot of other ones, you had to pay dues. You got to pay for that pew. And they said, no, he, he, was, he did good in business, so he paid for a pew. He'd fill them all with kids. He'd go to the street urchins. That was the name they used back in those days. And he'd bring them, what a man. What a man. But someone chased him down. Someone didn't know if he was a wanderer or not and wanted to make sure he was safe. And here this Sunday school teacher, not a very charismatic, you don't know who God brings across your path. You don't know. Everybody, somebody, Jesus, Amen. But I always think of that story. Here's this Sunday school teacher making sure these teenage boys, how did he deal with God would use so mightily? Man, let's keep reading here. Let's keep reading. Oh, hallelujah. Great danger for the wanderer. We want to reach them. This is a danger. Number one, God may discipline them. And the disciplines of God, you know, there are different degrees in that. And there's Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. Um, 1 Corinthians 11. But also, the, he faces the possibility of the sin unto death. And I don't know. We don't have, time is getting short here. Um, 1 John 5, 16, 17. 1 John 5, 16, 17. And we don't really have time to go super deep. But there's a reason why we should never be complacent when it comes to reaching people that have strayed. But we should make every effort and go beyond. Amen. To, to make sure, are your heart right? Get right. And pray them through so it's a real thing. You know, so it's a real thing. Here we go. Um, let's go 16 and 17. Let's go to verses 16 and 17. Here we go. If anyone sees a brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit a sin not leading unto death. So there's one sin that's not going to lead to death. Pray for them. That God's going to get through to them and convict them and get them back on track. But then, I'll keep stay, go back to 16. I'm still in the middle here. But then, there is a sin leading to death. Now, there's a lot of different, there's different views of this, okay? So we don't got a lot of time. I'm going to give you the basic one. There is sin leading to death. I do not say he should pray 
about that. Verse 17. All unrighteous is sin, and there's a sin not leading to death. Okay, what do you mean? Well, let me just give you some of the common. Again, it's serious stuff, isn't it? You, you, know, you know, God takes people home. And if I was to give this time, it's being short, I'd give you this, the, the background, just to give you a background to understand the principle of God in this. 1 Corinthians 11. Remember when he talked about those that were partaking of communion irreverently? And he says, judge yourself so you won't be judged. Many are weak, sick, and many are dying. There are different measures of people. You know, this again, this is part of First John. Such a sin could be any sin. He's not talking about a specific sin, like this is a horrible sin. But such a sin could be any sin, premeditated, unconfessed sin, that causes the Lord to be determined and the believer's life. He takes people home prematurely, but it's better than going to hell. Amen? Again, 1 Corinthians 11. If you study that, you'll see that. God says, they're judged, so they won't be judged ultimately. They're judged to this measure. Again, I'd rather, I want to live my full life. Amen? But I'd rather, I'd rather go, I'd rather die. Boom. Then go to hell. And I'd rather die now than, than you know? And so again, um, not one specific sin, but whatever sin is, whatever the, the final one in the tolerance of God, the final one in the tolerance of God, I call it the last straw, the point of no return. Note takers, you, can, you write down, just for your thinking, and again, we don't have a lot of time to go through this, Genesis 15 and 16, to give you another background, just how the thinking of God. When God um, cuts his covenant with Abraham, and God gives him a little bit of the future, saying how in generations to come, I'm going to, people are going to go into Egypt, I'm going to bring them back to this land, but not yet. But he may, he, God uses this phrase, Genesis 15, 16, the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. God says, there's a delay in my judgment. Because even God measures everything perfectly. And in the same way he, did that, he does that with people. Some people come to a place where they, keep, they won't confess certain sins. They keep going down a certain way. And God, in his mercy, takes them home. So they don't ultimately go beyond. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a frightening thing. God wants you to live out your full term, doesn't he? Amen. God want, God's got a mission for you. God's got a, again, failure to repent or forsake sin may lead to physical death as a judgment of God. Such prayers for that person won't be effective once they pass this point. So the writer's distinguishing there's two different sins. The important thing, pray for people. Amen? But there's reaches a point where God says, let's pray, let's pray for people that we know. But, I, you know, we've seen, we've seen it, right? Again, words be right, all unrighteousness is sin, but some sins worse than others. All sin is hateful to God, should be hateful to the believer, but some sin is punished by death. And John tells us here about the case of a brother whose life was taken because of sin. Not again, not one specific one, if you do this, you're going, but it's almost that attitude of stubbornness towards God that you continue, and finally God who's all wise, takes that person home. Again, give you some, the background. 1 Corinthians 11, when you study that, and you'll see how Paul says, that's why if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. If we repent of that sin, 
Right? When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, when the Word of God is clear to us, we sin, and we don't grieve the Spirit, don't fight the Spirit. But, like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, some people got sick, some were weak, some died prematurely because they wouldn't reverence the body of Christ. They wouldn't partake of communion. And God had dealt with them enough. And God said, time's up. Time's up. So he judged them so they wouldn't be judged ultimately. This is God dealing with Christians now. Amen? So again, don't people wander, go on and pray for them. Jesus prayed for Peter, didn't he? He said, Peter, I'm going to be praying if Satan wants to sift you as weak, but I'm going to pray for you. God's going to convert you, bring you back. And when he does, he's going to put you to work. But we want to make sure we pray for people. People that have wandered, people that have strayed. They might have strayed doctrinally. They might have strayed with lifestyle. Lovingly, but boldly. Call them. Text them. Write them. Certainly pray for them. Amen? Because we want them to get back. And we don't certainly don't want, you know, we don't want people. Listen, like I said, number one, you can come under God's own chastisement. It's not good to be chastised. Amen? It's not good to be chastised. See, we, we, we've gone so opposite a balanced Bible that certain things seem extreme to us because we don't study the whole counsel of God anymore. So people can go through horrible things blaming the devil and the whole time God's trying to say, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get, wake up. First time something negative happens, before you blame the devil or the in-law, let a man examine himself. Saying, Lord, did I do something? Amen. Because maybe, maybe I need to get something right. Maybe I've been disobeying the Lord in an area and I've been putting it off. And God's saying, hey, I talked to you about that and I'll stop it. Or, hey, I wasn't pleased with that. Make it right. You see. So, so God does discipline us like any good parent. But you can also get to the place of being so stubborn. And so that God takes you home prematurely. I don't want to home prematurely. I want to finish my race. Amen? The other thing is, if you live that way as a wanderer, look at all the negative influence you're going to have on people. Instead of having that positive influence with your family and with your neighbor and people around you. Negative influence. Amen? You know, Pastor Veach, and I'll finish with the story. You know, Pastor Veach, again, it's the old prophet of God. I don't think he ever knew a PowerPoint. Never, never knew PowerPoint, that's for sure. I think he rarely knew an outline. But, I mean, but he could, he could walk down the aisle with the word of knowledge and he could put the hair in the back of your head and go up. Um, so some of these things I just remember as a kid. But I'll never forget. Korah's rebellion, remember that? And Moses said, get away from him, get away. Then the ground swallowed him up. I can still hear that old prophet preaching. You better stay away from the rebels. You better stay away from those that are causing trouble. Because when God judges them, if you're close... But everyone that was around him. You stay away from those rebels. Discipline yourself from those that are, you can love them, you can warn them, but you better not hang with them. Oh, that old prophet of God, he would say things. i never forget. Again, I'm remembering things as a teenager. He'd say, listen, love your enemies, but don't you dare love God's and pray that you know the difference. <laughs> I'm just saying this. That old school, that old school didn't, didn't know, you know, but man, they knew God. They knew God. Amen? All right. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you protect us in this age. 
that if we're willing to continue in your word, you will keep us pure. You will keep us strong in this fallen world so we can finish our race, finish our assignments. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to reach others that might have strayed. Lord, maybe they got burnt by something. Maybe they just got, the enemy tripped them up by something and they got ashamed. Whatever the reason is, Lord, use us, Lord. Bring people across our path that you can use us to encourage them to get back in the race. Put people on our hearts that you want us to send a note to or just to run down and ask how they're doing. Use us, Lord, to bring back the wanderers and to bring back the strays. And Lord, we pray that you'd help each one of us Help us to have a deep determination in our lives. We're going to serve you faithfully, and we're going to finish. We're going to finish our race, and we're going to love you to the end, just like you loved us. Now, Father, bless these dear ones. Help all of us, to, as we chew on this, to get more understanding of our lesson, Lord. Encourage us and let a fresh reverence and fear of the Lord, a proper fear of the Lord, come upon each one. In Jesus' name and all God's people said,